like the first go to the Sukkim, we began Tanda Eliel last week, which needs further Hezber. But I keep referring to the Misa that he's discussing and the consequences. I don't think we finished reading it inside yet. So let's first go to Malachim Bey's Perik Chaf Pasuk Yud Bey's. This is after Chizkiya Melech was deathly ill and he recovered after he did tshuva and after his tefillah and he asked for an ace of Shemayim to show Klai Yisrael is right before the pending invasion of San Cherv and he asked for an, a seminat that he would continue to live he believed the Navi obviously but he wanted the people of the city and the rest of Klai Yisrael, the rest of Yehuda to see an open nace and give them the chizik to be able to continue to daven and do tshuva so that Sancher be wiped out, which Baruch Hashem worked. Uh, the simon was the sun would move back, which is about as obvious a simon as you could get worldwide. And it was noticed worldwide, not just in Yushalayim. And in Bovel, it was noticed by Melech Bovel. We'll go back to how, just in a moment. And he's going to send a delegation to Chizkiyo and a letter to be mechabed him. If you go again, perichaf, pasigid beis, beisihi shalach, beredach, baladan, ben baladan, melabavol, svarim, umincha, el chizkiyo, kishama, kichala chizkiyo. He heard that he was very sick and that he miraculously recovered. How did he hear? So Rashi brings down from Chazal, if you take a look, let's go from Yud Beis and Rashi. Which means to the extent of this illness and to the type of illness, no one ever survived. He'd get up and he would eat. Then he would sleep till nine hours in the day. Sounds like a long nap, but he's a king. So he can do whatever he wants. He didn't want to waste the whole afternoon and evening. He had work to do. So he woke up. The body was trained when he would normally wake up. And then he noticed, or he thought he noticed, that it was the morning. So the only conclusion he came to was the fact that he slept the entire afternoon and evening and woke up the next morning, and they let him sleep, and they're supposed to wake him up. Very strict orders. He was quite angry, and in the, in the olden days, it was off with your head. So he uh, demanded an explanation before he would have them executed. Figured there was no explanation. Amru, they told him, no, your highness, please don't be angry with us. Says it wasn't us. We didn't forget to wake you up. It just uh, became the morning because time went backwards. He said, and can you please explain to me uh, who exactly ordered that and who was able to perform that? As I mentioned, they don't make Risham the way they used to. These people were uh, big of the Avarazara, but they were in tune with power. And they realized that uh, Kosh Baruch Hu was more powerful than anything else if he is able to do this. They worship the sun, they worship many other things. 
and hence the uh, Kiddush Hashem. And he was very impressed, and he wanted to send a letter and a delegation to meet this person who was able to ask for such an ace. And they came. Part of the background, which Chizkiyo is not going to anticipate, is that uh, they came to the Mechabedim. Part of it was the intrigue of what they were curious about in terms of their power, how they overcome the mightiest empire. Babel now is the ascending power, but they certainly beat Ashur, and they came to look around. That's not the immediate problem in terms of the mistake. We will see the problem and the mistake was that on Chizkiel's Madrega again, he became a little bit too elated that they were coming to visit him, and this Choshev delegation was interested in him and his kingdom, and for a stature person of Chizkiel, Tzadik Yisraelam, that's already considered damaging, even that small amount of gaiva. How do they know this came from here? Uh, I don't know how quickly it was. I mean, it takes a while to travel from Bavo to Yisrael, and the travel to Bavo to spread the news took time. So it wasn't within minutes, but the whole world was talking about it, and the people came, and they... Uh, it's hard to, as, even if you want to be a Russia, if no one else has a reasonable explanation, and everybody in Yushalayim was talking about it, and it was clear the Navi told them, this is the nace that happened, and it was, the nace was there for Pearson. They weren't trying to hide it. And everybody was talking about it. They were honest enough, at least at this moment, to understand that the story is not disputable. And nobody else had a counter story. No one, no one was running any editorials to explain how it happened. Wasn't Yerushalayim under siege at this time, still from Sancheirov? Yeah, just uh, Sancheirov uh, didn't uh, really fare that well <laughs> right afterwards. And none of the other members survived. He, he survived. His lieutenant, well, part of the story, and it's interesting how Nebuchadnezzar, shall I put the Madrashim together, and the Gemara is together. There's a Gemara, which we didn't treat yet, that has Nebuchadnezzar as the chief scribe, and he wasn't there when the letter was written. Maybe that's why. Uh, he was still working under somebody else's jurisdiction. But when he heard about it, Shiloh, where, where he was at this time, when he heard about it, the, he said, very nice to send a letter, but the letter gave a Shalom Aleichem to Chizkiyo, then to Yushalayim, and then to Akash Baruch Hu. Greetings and salutations. And he said, if you're trying to be Mechabed, if you're impressed with the God of Israel, and you're trying to be Mechabed Akash Baruch Hu, you don't put him last. Very nice, Chizkiyo was great enough to ask for this nation and get it, but you don't put him last. So... He said, redo the letter, put a Baruch Hu first. Interestingly enough, he then put Yushalayim second, kept Yushalayim second, then put Chizkiyo. Why is Yushalayim second? Because if you look at the tefillah that Chizkiyo, the first tefillah that Chizkiyo made, and he said, please save the city, save Klai Yisrael. Kosh Baruch Hu's answer was, I'm going to save the city, Laman David Avdi, and Laman the Kedusha of the city. And Chizkiyo wasn't part of the equation. And he understood per our time to Baal from last week, the tefillah was said a little bit with too much uh, sharpness, if you'll call it, demanding action, which he got. And Yishalayim was saved, and Asher was destroyed, but it was more because of David Avdi and the schus of Malchus Beis Dov and Yishalayim. So Yishalayim, in the second version of the letter, was still in the middle of Chizkiel, was last. 
but that suggestion was from Nebuchadnezzar who understood uh, what covered was and uh, nobody, so the people, a few people who were watching it understood and uh, they reported it and no one was deciding it. Today you'd have uh, 50 other um, comments from the peanut gallery on it was this, that, and the other thing. And was, at least, as I said, the Rishayim were Rishayim and the problem was they understood it was the Kosh Baruch and they were still married, which made a bigger Rishayim, but they didn't dispute that this was the Yad Hashem. What? That's what I'm saying. Nobody, that's the amazing thing over here. The word came from Yushalayim and it traveled to Bovel and no one disputed it because all the magicians, Khatumim, uh, false Navi and Bovel said, yeah, we can't do that and we didn't do it and it wasn't us and we were, uh, we were working on something else today. That, 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 yeah. But you have to admit that. You have to be honest enough. You could come up with some silly, phony explanation. There's no shortage of them to say, yeah, we were working on this for a while. And we wanted to show that our God can move backwards and we can control our God. You know, Balpar does just that. Right, why, why did Chizkiyo pick this particular nace and why was the multiple choice all involving the, the son? Yes, yes, it was a shtoch to them. But coming from their perspective, as Yaakov is saying, if they want to not be true to the Indian, they could make up another excuse. And the Chiddush over here is they didn't. And, you know, but by Kriyas Yamsu, finally, finally, as they were drowning, they said, we, you know, we better run, which they couldn't then because Hashem is being leichem in Mitzrayim. They admitted it was a Kadosh Baruch even though that's something they were fighting for many, many years. Yeah. Your source that says that Nebuchadnezzar was with some Yes, yes, that's, that's why I mentioned. That's why I was bavarning. Where was he at this time, and um, how, how much later was this? Was he working with, was he? Well, after there was no more, after there was no more Asher left, when you have a chief of staff type of personnel, you kind of want to find the job. That itself wouldn't be surprising. And Nuchanetzer ended up in his cabinet afterwards because there was no cabinet from Asher. Shai Liz, when did that take place? Is it a steerer in, in Chazals or is it, a, uh, or is it the fact that he was smart enough to get a job somewhere else? Well, the thing is, but, yeah, things happen in the reverse order. I mean, we'll, we'll so I'm going to get to the... This, this event happened before the downfall of, of, of some period of According to the Shita that Rashi brings down. I'm going to get back to the Tanda Beliel, so hold that thought, because I raised the question last week, how do you read the Tanda Beliel? Tanda Beliel is saying that he got punished. The reason he got sick is because of blank. The reason we read last week was that the tefillah was a little bit too sharp. The problem is, is that uh, the tefillah happened and maybe he got sick, but the problem is the same time as and we're going to go back to it soon, starts off saying you can't eat with Goyim and get too chummy with Avdiyah and it sounds like that was the reason he got sick. Well, they came afterwards. So I, I alluded to that question, and we're going to get back to it, and I, I think I have a way to read it. Tanah Beliel is, is giving a number of different angles on why he got punished. As you know, any punishment from a tzaddik, we can never even figure out the Avera. It's so dark. And often it's Zev, Zev, Zegerim, and that's part of what's going on over here. So we're going to try to get back to the chronological order soon. Uh, let's just finish with the Pesukim, because I keep referring to them, and uh, want to make sure we have the, uh, the basic uh, storyline, so to speak, first. Let's go back to the Pesuk. 
Yud Gimel, Perichah, Pasuk Yud Gimel, if you just came in. Ve'yishma Alem, Chizkiyah, Ve'yarim, Es Kol Beis, Nechaisai. Showed them around, very proud. And again, 99.9% of this, the tremendous Kiddush Hashem. They're finally paying tribute and understanding that they're not all powerful and it's all in the hands of the Yidin and the Kodesh Baruch Hu, not in that order. And uh, they understood that Hashem will Kim and that uh, he's the representative of Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's the trend's Kiddush Hashem. And 0.001% of it was on his Madre Gagaiva that they're here to see me. I'm going to show them all the Gvura and the Kayach. And all the wealth, which, by the way, at this point, wasn't that formidable. But he was a king. See, so he shows them the spice room, which to us isn't very impressive. Our spice rack isn't worth that much. But spices then was the gold of the time. Um, did you ever notice why they sent Columbus on a mission all over the world to get a new spice room? That's where it was at. So some say based on the is a spice room. Some say it's just a general treasure room. It's a kesef, it's a zav, it's a basamim, as shem and hatayv some other form of spices, or it's telling you what's in the base of the It could be the general treasury room and then describing what's in there. Shemina Taiv as base Kalov as Kalashanimsa by Trais of Loya Dava Shalo Haram Cheskio Babesobhalmem Shalto. He didn't hold anything back, he showed them everything. Rashi says, Yidgimo, Bas Nachaisa, Bas Ginze Bisamov. And if you go through the gold, silver, money, spice, shemen, what do you have left? So go to the next day, two down actually. Lo yadaver es ha'aron va'alucha is v'sefer ha'tayra. Let's unpick it, Rabbelezer. That already is dangerous territory. The aron was shown to Klai Yisrael, not the insides. That is how much he showed them here. When they rolled up the Parichis and Shal Shagalim, this is not for of Avodah to see. It's a very private affair between Klai Yisrael and, uh, and Akash Baruch Hu. And this was out of bounds, even though he meant the Shem Shamayim. And the Pekat Rabbeleza mentions it, and the Tanah is going to mention it again. Yes? Yeah, so Shaila's... So, so Shailas, did he show them from afar? What exactly he showed them? But he showed them... I'm not saying he opened it, but... Um, or he took them too far. Again, in Chizkiel's mind, 99.999, add a few more decibels. This was, they were here already to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they here to see our godless. Pigat Rabbalazi even says, he showed it to them and he said, this is our secret weapon, this is how we win wars. Which is fascinating, this is Machlekes and Yishalmi, did they bring the Shivrei Luchas out to war? So you're all thinking back to our Navi Shir 17 years ago, some of you weren't here, but it's recorded, uh, where it says in the Pasuk that they took out the Aaron, and it was captured, unfortunately. So the question is, is that because they weren't ever supposed to take it out, and they never did, and this time they did, and it was captured? Or they always did, and this time it was captured, because they weren't Zeche. There's a Shita that holds that there were two Aaronists, and they took the Shivri Luchas out, and they kept the regular one in. The sheets of hold was one arm, and the sheets of hold until Binyan Abayas, there were two, but then there was only one, and the Shivri Luchas and the regular Luchas of Menachem Ba'aran, which is reminiscent of the Gemara, that seems to say that. And after that, it was never taken out. But the pick of the Lord's record is that he told them, you guys better like a veiled threat. You guys better watch out. We have Hashem on our side, and this is representative of that. Is that, again, he did Shem Shemayim, is that good for the Jews or not to even mention such a concept? And is it true that we're supposed to be taking it out? Maybe it mentioned that they used to take it out, now they don't take it out, but it's the same pick at the Rabbalezer. Yes? 
Right. Shailiz was it merged. That was merged later because it says it says to me Mechabed, a person who forgot his learning, Islam, because Luchas and Shivri Luchas Menachem Aaron. Does that mean Menachem Aaron the same Aaron or two different Aaronists? How do you read that Gemara? But whatever he showed them, the pick of the Lezer, in this context, is saying this is where he went too far. He held nothing back and he was doing it because he was proud in a positive way, but there was an element of the Gaiva there, which when we get back to the Tandabe Leo, we will see that quite clearly. Pasuk Yudalid. Vayava Yishayahu Navi. Immediately, the Navi comes. Can you imagine Yishayahu is from the greatest Nadavim? Can you imagine his quandary? He's the one who came to Chizkiyo and said, you're going to die. And then he came back right away. The godless is as uncomfortable as all this was. He always, quote unquote, did his job. Fulfilled the shlichus, came back and said, you're going to live. And he kept telling him, Yishlaim will be saved, which it was Baruch Hashem. And now things are going so well, he comes back and delivers a horrific, depressing nevuah, which Chizkiyo Amelech and his godless is makabal. Even though we're going to be searching for the next few weeks what exactly triggered it and what was the Avera. Does this sound familiar? Usually the Navi comes in and says it's straight. Here he starts asking questions. Should sound familiar. What's the earliest uh, source for this? What? Earlier. Very early. Extremely early. Kayan. <laughs> Like, uh, well, Adam also, but then, then Kai, yes, even earlier then. Why is this done? Because when you're dealing with big people, dealing with Sadiqim, you best case scenario when something was done wrong, you want them to admit it first. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. Well, but Bilam, it was a disaster. Bilam just answered according to his guy, who are these people? Yeah, people that came to me, you see how great I am, the whole world's coming to me. So that didn't work very well, but he had Bechira and he had a choice. It's hauntingly a little bit similar to Bilam because here the problem was on his Madrega, they came to him and a tiny part of this was they came to see me and, and the godless of what's going on here in the kingdom. But Lahavdil Aleph Havdalos and a few more trillion, Chizkiyo uh, was 99.9% L'Shem Shamayim, uh, Bilam was 100%, uh, not L'Shem Shamayim. But the question is posed so that they answer the question themselves, which Kayan didn't when he was asked where your brother is. Uh, the expression is still used today. Some people actually verbalize, am I my brother's keeper? That was the wrong answer, I'll remind everybody. You should not use that ever in any context. You are your brother's keeper. And Adamrishan, again, it was Adamrishan. Adamrishan goes down in history. <laughs> mind everybody, Sadiq Yisadam is buried in Maris Machpelah. And uh, when you're confronted by I can imagine it could be a very uh, frightening experience. And he immediately placed the blame on Chava. And she was sharing some of the blame, but was that the answer that Kosh Baruch was looking for? So over here, Oh, we have a delegation here that came from a far off land. And it's Bavol, not Stam, a far off land. And they're the up and coming. And they're coming to be Mechabed, Klai Yisrael, Baruch Hu. That was, again, what he felt was the real reason why he was showing them around. And it was to a tremendous extent. It still wasn't the answer that the Navi was 
trying to get. So what they see? The second attempt. Chizkiel doesn't hide anything because he's proud of it and for the most part rightfully so. I showed them everything. And I did it for a reason. He explained his agenda. Listen carefully. The time is going to come. Everything you showed them is going to be taken away to Bavel. Obviously, it doesn't just mean the palace and the, his kingdom will be destroyed. It means Yushalayim will be destroyed. Besamitish will be destroyed. It doesn't spell that out over here. But it's not a gear to the Midah Kenegad Midah. Take everything you have and everything you have from your ancestors. Ad Hayem Azeh. Bavelas can be taken to the very place they came from. That's for the treasures and all the things you showed them. Possibly including the Aaron. There's a Machlekes in the Gemara where the Aaron was taken to Bavel or it was hidden by his grandson Yoshio on Harabayas, deep below. But Bavo will destroy and they will take everything. The children you will have, descendants you will have, and they will be pressed into service to working for this very king that you're impressed with and they're impressed with you and showing them around. You're very friendly with them. They're not going to be too friendly then. His immediate reaction, again, shows the godless of Chizkiyo. He doesn't forent for him, he doesn't answer. I was just trying to make a Kiddush Hashem, and I was trying to show them around because I'm trying to make an alliance, and Klai needs friends, which they do. This is the very tricky balance. We need friends, and he's supposed to make alliances. And David Melech had alliances, so did Shlomo, and it worked well. Shlomo Melech, part of his mistake was he went a little bit too far in his madrig, and he made so many that he felt to make these alliances stick and to cement them, he should bring every king in as a shver and marry the princess, and that'll get everybody to see Yushalayim and see the godless Siberian, see the Nisim, and become very friendly. Friendly they were, and didn't work. David Melech had a very close relationship with Hiram. Hiram actually sent wood. David Amal didn't need his wood. He didn't need his money. He did it because of the friendship. But he understood Hiram really wanted a piece of the action. L'shem Shamayim. And he was friendly with him. But he wasn't eating lunch every day in Abigail's with them for our discussion yesterday. And nothing wrong with a business lunch or a business dinner. But the question is, how close? And where does it go? It's a very, very delicate balance. So he's not wrong. He's saying, look, they came, and we need Bavel. And Yeshayo said, yes, and they're going to come back one day, in the not-too-distant future, and make a machama and destroy everything. So that's a tricky balance. And when you eat dinner at the uh, business conference, keep it in mind. There's conversation, a light conversation, and... Um, it's always difficult to keep your distance and the whole purpose of the dinner on the one hand is to make the alliance make the friendship there's a way without Geneva's Das a way of smiling and holding a conversation and treating them with covered abrius and being somewhat friendly and not letting it go to your head that hey they really like me and they're, they're a really good friend really nice guy keep in mind they're after your money you're after their money they want to close the deal you want to close the deal uh, he's a nice guy you want to be a little friendly 
you got to schmooze a little bit part of the game, fine. You can't get too close to Odeva uh, Zarin to Rishayim, and that's uh, part of the problem. Yes? Uh, yeah, well, that, <laughs> okay, that's, uh, it, it's a very tricky thing. And I'm saying it per yesterday's discussion because it's, I'm well aware, as I said, I, I don't uh, frequent these places, but it's like I'm almost there because most of these shaylas are emanating from these places. And it's tricky. It's tricky and it's challenging in politics and in business. And you've got to always check and recheck and reexamine uh, where you're holding. Are you in the happy medium? Or did you go too far? Chizkiyo, again, went slightly too far for his madrega. The Einish is very swift in coming, even though we cannot blame the Chorban on Chizkiyo HaMelech. That's what it sounds like from this positive. You wouldn't be with us before, and if you won't be with us for the next uh, number of months or a year plus, uh, you would think, okay, well... Whatever, whatever their error was, that triggered the Chorban. That's not, the Chorban happened because it's not going to do tshuva. Can't blame all that on Chizkiel. But this is not going to help. And the irony, the Midzikeregamidah of Bavo coming back. He accepts it. Pasiket tes, V'yamer Chizkiel Yishayel, Toiv Tzvar Hashem, Asher Dibarta, V'yamer Aloyim Shalom, V'yamer Ziyah B'yamai. We didn't fully explain that yet. That last part needs a lot of Hezber. Who is the person who cared the most about Klai Yisrael? The last person is going to say, Yeah, that's great, as long as it's not in my backyard and it's not happening now. He didn't say it's great. He said, Hashem, I accept the Dvar Hashem. And Hashem is the Dayan Amis. So basically, he said a Dayan Amis. And then he said, Lo shalom Then he said, Well, it's not going to happen in my time. Why does that give him? It's happening to his children and grandchildren, great grandchildren. Why does that make him uh, any happier? Why does that comfort him? Uh, the short answer, which again we'll uh, continue to explain, is that Chizkiyo had a global look at Klai Yisrael. That's important for our Chizik, very important, a tremendous aside. And that is that if you live at certain Takufas, you can get very depressed. And it's a challenge to be able to see the next day. We're not living in one of those Takufas, Baruch Hashem. Maybe because we can't handle it. But a generation or two ago, they did. And the Holocaust they did, every pogrom, every inquisition, every world war, the eve of um, Muhammad in 48 and in 67 and in 73. If you were there at the time, it's very frightening. We look back and say, of course they're going to win the war. Of course uh, Kleisel is going to be saved there. Didn't look very posh at then. And the worldview is that you have to get in Ruchnius, forget the existential battles that... Uh, threats that look like Klai Yisrael is going to be finished the next day, Rahman Latzlan, the Ruchni battle, which was fought for a couple hundred years, till recently still being fought, but now at least we're on the upswing. Uh, you look at anybody who's from in Europe, uh, we'd like to think everybody was from. It was going in the opposite direction, and the forces of evil, and whatever ism they were dressed up in, the assimilationist attitudes, and the Jews joined, uh, Jews joined. They were the communists, the socialists, uh, secular Zionists, and the, uh, eh, you name it, the Jews were involved because they were looking for a way out because Golis was that difficult. And there were Yechide Skula, Kiburm, who held on. And they knew Klai Yisrael, the promise Klai Yisrael will always be here and Tyre will always be here and the Messiah will always be sent to the next generation, but at certain points it was hard to imagine how is this going to work? You just have to be talking it's going to work. Well, what, we're the recipients of that and it worked. Chizkiyo was happy that the war was won and he was Marbet's Tyra. This is what he gave Klai Yisrael. And he filled the best Medrash and he gave enough to Klai Yisrael to enough people 
that no matter what happens, they're going to be a minion plus who are keeping terror mitzvahs. There was more than a minion, but at certain points it was, wasn't that much more. I'm exaggerating, it wasn't 10, but it was bad. And Chizkiel said, as long as this is going to happen later, that means that we have enough time to make this critical mess, as big as it is or as small as it is, but it's going to be there, and I'm going to help Kaiso survive by giving over that Messiah. And he was right, and that's why we're here. That's, uh, can't think of a more important message, and it's not Beferish over here, that's why I'm spelling it out. This answer is, yeah, everything's going to be fine, it's not happening in my day. He doesn't take any comfort that if it doesn't happen to him, and it happens to his great-grandchildren. The answer is, if it doesn't happen now, we still have time to rebuild so that even if it falls apart, it won't completely fall apart. That's all we have to do. We're responsible for children, grandchildren, and for all the people who can affect that there are enough people around when El Leonovi comes. And that's a, that's a crucial, crucial message. Let's finish the last Pusik, and then, yeah. Is it also possible that what he's saying is, is that Yes, yes, yes. But even if that doesn't happen, absolutely. The first thing is, if it doesn't happen yet, we could still do tshuva and daven our way out of it, which Chizkiel more than anybody else knows that that can happen because he davened his way out of it. Absolutely. But even if that's not true, and Lamai said, historically it's not true, so you look back, what did Chizkiel accomplish? What did he do? And we're going to get to Yeshio, his, his grandson, who's also going to have a mass tshuva movement after the disaster of Manasseh, and you say, this Gavaldi goes up and down, up and down. So what are they accomplishing? The answer is they're accomplishing that they're still rejuvenating enough that you need X amount of people to be able to continue. Because if it always goes down, then there's going to be nothing left. So I'm giving the world view of what happened to Lamaisa. But yes, his hope was we won't even get to that. Lamaisa, we did get to it and worse. And we're still here learning about it. That's the raya that you've got to have an uptick even if there's a lot of bad news. And your concern is not the bad news. Your concern is that you're doing your job to get enough people to where they're supposed to be. And Chizkiel will accomplish that. Yes? Do you see maybe a difference between what the Rabbi was saying, Hashlein and Chira had a relationship when Hashlein gave Chira in 20 cities in Galilee? Right. It wasn't so good in Chira. Yes. So you see, he wasn't going overboard. That's he right. Was, it was a cold piece. Chira was a little warmer. But we're happy with an alliance I don't want to say, you know, the Egyptians don't like us now. I don't know if anybody knows that. I hate to burst anybody's bubble. There were people after the Camp David summit who felt, oh, they're our best friends. Now we're going to go. We're going to vacation there. They're going to vacation there. It's going to be Gavaldi. Well, that's not too Gavaldi because if most people are from, they're going to assimilate. So we can't have, that's very dangerous. I don't, we're not pushing for Rahman Litzlan, uh, open war or anything close to that because that's dangerous. We're pushing for not too friendly, not too hostile. Interestingly enough, as I mentioned, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not here to, to uh, tout Begin, but I have all the prime ministers. He was more orthodox, put it that way. Shamir Shabbos, to what he understood Shamir Shabbos was. He was the only one for decades and decades who created something that was not very friendly because anybody deludes them into thinking that we're friendly is uh, having halimus. Uh, but at least for decades now, there hasn't been open warfare. And there's some cooperation at the top that they try to keep from the press because the Arab world doesn't like it. But yes, they're not going to, they don't like us, and the population large doesn't like us, and there's uh, hatred there on many levels. But they identify that it's practical and it's working. 
And yeah, that's a great example. He gave him many cities. That's a pretty good gift, and he wasn't happy. Tom David Amalek, he was probably even friendlier. But it's the balance. And when a lot of people aren't from too much of an alliance and really wanting to be amechad with the Umas Olam, which is what, unfortunately, secular Zionism is trying to do, still trying to do, that's just a, a ticket to assimilation, as it is in any country where they're super friendly and they have equal rights, which is most countries in the world, the Jews are disappearing unless there's a critical mass in certain places like America and like New York and like in the cities that have. Otherwise, they're disappearing. Because why not? They fully accept us and, and we have no connection to the Messiah, unfortunately. So it's a very, very inviting stance, especially we can't appreciate it. We look at it here. We're sitting in Muncie and, uh, you know, we can't even find a Shabbos guy. So it's a problem <laughs> when you need one. It's a good problem to have. And we're looking at it. We're, Baruch Hashem. Hashem has given us so much Baruch. We wonder, like, why would you want to be friendly with them? Like, well, who, who cares? Well, what for? But after decades and centuries of pogroms and just, it was so brutal, like, you're so thirsty for, like, just can you respect me as a human being? We're used to that. That's a given by us already. So we're not hungry for the, for the friendship. You have to understand where the Eight Sahara came from. Just, you feel so isolated and so alone. Anybody's happy uh, in the UN, they let us into any committee. We're thrilled. So, okay, so you know, we get into a committee. It's politically a positive thing if we can work with them at some levels to create alliances, but don't get drunk with the fact, oh, they now accept us into the world of nations. And the, uh, that's not what we're looking for. And that, again, is a, a difficult balance. Let's read the last Pusik. Yes, a Dibri Cheskiavasa as a Brechavasatala Bayevia Samayim Haira incorporated Meshilayh into Yushalayim. He felt it was too much of a strategic threat to have the water outside because whenever anybody attacked they would cut off the water supply. He felt that was a Stadlis. Maybe discussed in the separate cover was that too much shtadlus. I'll say for He's doing it as king, and he was trying to shore up the defenses. There's certainly, nothing wrong with that on some level. The question is how much you have to do. We have a lot more to say about Chizkiyo. We're going to sign off from Pasuk Chavalav Yishkav Chizkiyo Mavaisav Yimlach Manasha Benoi Tachtov. That's a sad Pasuk to sign off with. We always like to sign sign off with a good Pasuk. Manasha here was 12 years old. And we're going to discuss in the coming weeks, Araya, the Manasseh at this point wasn't a Russia. Well, we expect he's his son. He had a good chinuch. And why should he be a Russia now? But the word Vayishkav is used when the person who is being nifter left over a son that's continuing. So they asked the Kashavi, he left over Manasseh. So why does it say Vayishkav? Said Yishka by David Amalch, he left over Shlomo. It doesn't say by Yoyev, who was a tzaddik, but didn't leave over a Ben Kamoyu. But here it says Vayishkav. The answer is Manasha 12 was ready to take over and he was from. When you take over and you get a lot of power, things can go wrong. And that's just a remez. But it's in and of itself, the Pusik is not good news. Chizkiel died, but Manasha taking over is not bad news yet. And yes? Let's go to the Peliates as he's asking. Yeah. Right. He had a lot of help, and Chizkiel had advisors. You have no reason to assume not so. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the beginning is going to be very short-lived because uh, we're going to just look at, we're not going to get to Menasha for a while, but you look at his reign, it's 55 years, 
and it breaks it up into 22 years of hardcore of Eiras Chetia Machtias Arabim, a darshan from the comparison to Achav, who reigned for 22 years, and then 33 years of Tshuva, which we'll discuss at length, did it work, didn't it work, that 22 and 33 equals 55. It sounded like he hit the ground almost running, but not from the first day, hence the Pusik. So uh, we're going to have to see that uh, next week in Mitzvah um, I don't know, I ask this question every year, and people, Leil Slichus, uh, does anybody get up the next morning? It's five hours after you go to sleep. I hate to cancel a shear on the first day of Slichus. Uh, do you want a Navi shear next week? But then you'll have to come. A strong coffee, what? Okay, that's good? You can... Uh, right after Slichus at 2 a.m., you're really you're good. Okay. Uh, not, not a ridiculous idea, but I don't, that, that brave we never tried. So we'll... Some of the in the morning. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll plan this year. So please uh, make sure to come because uh, we'll have coffee in the, uh, in the hallway. And the Mitzvah Shem, we're going to go back to the Tandre Leo to examine exactly where this Avera fit and which one of the consequences was the direct consequence. And we'll have to figure it out. We'll give the handouts you took next week. I just want to do a few minutes of Peliyayetz. And Mitzvah Shem, uh, we will plan the year for next week. Kuf Mem Gimel in the Peliyayetz. Speaking of bitachin and being afraid of people, uh, exactly the discussion fits into the Navi beautifully. The alliance you're trying to make in business and politically is important and part of regular Ishtadlis. Uh, the difference of litmus test is uh, when do you do the wrong thing, Rahman because you're worried about what they think and you're worried about being on their good side. And that's the challenge in life. The bottom paragraph, page Kuf Mem Gimel. In the Peleyeh, it's Lachain, Layisa Panev, Layachanif. Hanifa is not when you compliment somebody, it's when you compliment somebody for doing the wrong thing. And you still do that to get on their good side or remain on their good side. And that's Asr. La Yogar, Ish, and you cannot fear people. La Yiga, Lahashir, Shalabimishbad. And don't try to make money when it's a scenario you're stepping on things that uh, are either wrong or you deep down know it's just not the right mahalach even though technically it's not a list I say but you're hanging around with the wrong people and it can and will have a detrimental effect at the end of the day what you're going to get is paskind on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and no reason to do Hanifa and to fear people and to be a yes man when you shouldn't be saying yes. Hey, and hey, look, it says, This is the tip of the iceberg of Bitochen, but why Bitochen is so practical? It's not just a, an important midah to have. It affects us in our daily life. Bazrayu and the other Sfarim that talk about it. And it's something that you can't possibly learn once and perfect. Bitochen is spoken about in every Musa Sefer because it takes a lifetime to internalize. Shaykhet means you're constantly going back to it and reviewing it. Vani basi I'm talking to myself, the Peleyah, it says. Ves benegili and my colleagues. Hashem alakim yazali b'sach ami Yisrael v'yepinu v'libenu shavim l'shem yisbarach and b'tachan like any good midah, it's easier to talk about it and to say you're a bal b'tachan, but to put it into practice, as he described in the last few paragraphs, 
is difficult, it's difficult when a person like Elena is faced with a difficult matzah and an isayan. It's even more difficult when on the spot you're being told things that you're being either asked, either beferish or it's insinuated, like at the business meeting, to just say yes and nod in agreement. And the question, again, yesterday wasn't recorded and that's probably good, but the question is what do you do when you're being asked to agree? Can you just nod? Can you just stare? Do you have to say something? Do you have to object very strongly? Depends on what's being said and how bad it is. Uh, sometimes macha uh, is necessary on some level even though you're not going to change people. Sometimes you just have to use the men's room in the middle of the conversation for a long time. So you don't have to, if you ask them where you were, you would say you were powdering your nose. Really? Uh, men don't do that. Uh, what are you going to say? They're going to get the impression after a while that certain things you're not comfortable with discussing, even if I'm not asking you to openly discuss it. You're not comfortable with this tone, with this language, with this topic. And even if you don't say anything, if you're just not smiling and you're certainly not participating, hopefully, the good news is even business, they'll get the impression, oh yeah, this is the company rabbi, he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like discussing these things. And they will actually say, after they say foul words, uh, which if anybody goes to work, that could happen at the office, like every minute on the minute, they might get the impression, you know, it's really making you feel uncomfortable. If they care about you on some level, they'll at least say, excuse my French. They'll do it again, then they'll say, excuse my French again. But at least they'll say something. You're getting somewhere if they're a little bit uncomfortable. And you've got to find some private territory to talk about. And this is a work, uh, work in progress for anybody in the office. And it's probably gotten worse over the years, not better. Because the culture is they want you to participate and they want you to come out to eat. And the, the happy hour, uh, go sit in the stool in the bar is certainly uh, should be a no-brainer you can't do. But there's a lot of downward pressure. And there's got to be a way with some foresight based on the last experience how to steer the conversation to discuss uh, after the weather so then find out quickly without being eyeing too much on what the scores were and who won and uh, stick to the sports if you have to. But to be machnif and to not in agreement and say, yes, yes, I agree and, and start talking like that and start tuning in and being an active participant is certainly where that's going to be detrimental to the Ruchnius. And the reinforcement of Bitachan is where you're going to be able to pull away from it. Mitzvah Shem, we will continue next week.